Governor Pritzker announces a pathway to full reopening, possibly by next month. Public schools may actually get that additional $350 million that they're supposed to get by law. And the controversy over redistricting continues under the dome. We'll talk about all that on this week's edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock and I'm joined today by our State House Bureau Chief Jerry Nowicki and fellow reporter Sarah Manser. And let's start off with the biggest news of the week, the announcement we've all been waiting more than a year to hear. Governor J.B. Pritzker speaking Thursday at a news conference in Chicago. Let's listen to what he had to say. As a result, on Friday, May 14th, the state of Illinois will move into the bridge phase of our mitigation plan, one step closer to removing nearly all of the remaining mitigations. For restaurants and bars and retail and weddings and public gatherings, this means higher capacity limits and a very hopeful move toward full reopening. And barring any significant reversals in key COVID-19 statewide indicators, Illinois will move to phase five, normal business operations free of pandemic-related mitigations as soon as Friday, June 11th. So, Jerry, what brought us to this point? How is it we're now able to reopen? Yes, so the hospitalizations, the new cases are leveling off. I think that probably has something to do with uh, vaccinations, obviously. Um, I don't know the exact numbers. I think it was roughly about 80% of seniors have had at least one dose of the vaccine. Uh, Over half the population has had uh, at least one dose of the vaccine. So what that does is that um, you can still get it, of course, even if you're vaccinated, but you're far, far less likely, almost um, pretty much entirely likely not to have a very severe or uh, deadly case of the virus uh, if you're vaccinated. So that's helping slow things down there. And of course, everyone is still masking up in in most cases um, to try to limit the transmission uh, when you're in close places. And it's just, you know, this thing has gone on for so long. um, It's good to have some level of optimism in terms of getting back to some level of normalcy. Yeah, but it seems like there's a little bit of deja vu here. It was right about this time of year last year. Spring was in the air. The numbers were going down. We thought we had ridden out the wave. Uh, We started loosening up the restrictions, and then come August, the numbers started going right back up again. Uh, What's making the governor and the administration think that's not going to happen again? Well, I mean, he went ahead and said that yesterday. You know, this could, you know, we've seen this multiple times before. These numbers could go up, and they're reserving the right to add more uh, mitigations and capacity limits and whatever else if they have to um, in terms of whether the numbers go back up and hospitalizations go back up. But he also did uh, say that masking mandates are going to be in place for the foreseeable future um, in accordance with CDC guidelines. So um, as long as the federal government says, you know, it's wise to wear masks in certain situations, the state will uh, try to keep that in place. 
So under the bridge phase, uh, capacity limits, for the most part, start going up. Uh, some not by real significant amounts, uh, but restaurants, bars and restaurants can have more people. Uh, what are we looking for in terms of phase five, the full reopening? What's that going to look like? Um, the way I understand it, as of right now at least, I think I know things change um, pretty rapidly with the governor's order sometimes, but uh, it's pretty close to normal reopening, uh, <clears throat> whereas you're still going to see some masks, though, like I said, but it'd be pretty close to no uh, capacity limits whatsoever. Okay, and along with the case numbers dropping and the hospitalizations dropping, uh, some businesses starting to get back to uh, regular, you know, uh, partial reopening. Uh, we've started to see some positive economic numbers. Uh, the number of new jobless claims being filed each week has uh, really been going down. And the governor said something else. The state's economy has uh, improved and revenue collections have improved. And as a result of that, he's willing to make some changes in his budget proposal. Let's listen to what he had to say. And this was also from Thursday's news conference. Because our outlook has improved, I have informed legislative leaders that I am now in a position to propose increasing evidence-based funding for schools by $350 million. That means that parents, students, and educators can breathe a sigh of relief. Okay, so the governor has actually been catching some flack uh, from legislative leaders and from education leaders around the state for not having proposed that in his original budget. Uh, so uh, is do the uh, revenue numbers really look good enough to support this kind of spending? Well, that's kind of the thing. I think the governor saw the writing on the wall as much as anything. So we, uh in regard to that $350 million, that's from the evidence-based funding formula of 2017, which calls for that new money each year, and it drives it towards the school districts that are furthest from adequacy based on a number of factors. So um, what it does is the districts that are neediest get more money when you add that $350 million to the formula, but the districts that are performing well aren't going to see new money, so they'd continue to be... Uh, uh, funded at an adequate amount, but you're really taking it away from the neediest districts where they're already very short on funding. So I think the governor knew um, that in the budget negotiations, all four legislative leaders, leaders regardless, regardless of party, were going to uh, sort of advocate for that added $350 million. That was a bipartisan reform in 2017 that created the evidence-based funding formula. So everyone knows it's important uh, to get those lower-performing schools up to up to uh, the funding adequacy, and that was going to happen. But um, the interesting thing was leader Greg Harris in the House had a news conference at about the same time as the governor, and he said, you know, we still got a, he called it a $1.4 billion deficit next uh, f for the upcoming fiscal year, and the good revenue projections for the end of this year really it's not clear whether they're even going to carry over for next year so for the governor to act like you know we're we've got this great revenue picture we can spend more i think that's a little bit disingenuous i think he probably just saw the writing on the wall that that 350 million was going to be in the budget and he didn't want to look like he was standing in the way of it so might as well go ahead and propose it because lawmakers are going to do it anyway right <laughs> right okay and meanwhile i want to turn to sarah here uh we're just coming out of a week when very little legislation of any substance actually got through uh the general assembly 
where are we in terms of seeing a budget? We've only got like three, three and a half weeks left of the regular session. Yes, um, that was also brought up at the Democrats' press conference yesterday. Um, and Leader Harris said that he was uh, planning to go through the budget line by line uh some point in the coming weeks um and at the at a republican press conference today um republicans complained about not being included or not being told in advance about the governor's uh plan to to include the additional 350 million dollars so it seems like they're not on the same page <laughs> with those discussions, but Republicans are really pushing for uh, having those open negotiations, and um, seems like the Democrats are probably continuing them behind closed doors. Okay. Uh, there have been times in recent years when we actually don't see the budget until about an hour before it lands on the floor of the House and they start talking about it. Any chance we might get a little bit more preview of it this time? I wouldn't be too optimistic about that. <laughs> okay. uh, meanwhile, speaking of things that don't seem to be moving very fast, uh, there's also been some controversy this week about redistricting. Uh, we saw reports of the secret map room in an office building uh, just west of the state house called the Stratton Building. Uh, the map room is really not that much of a secret, uh, but Republicans were making quite a bit of hay out of that this week. Uh, where are we on redistricting at this point? So, yeah, that map room um, is the same room that Democrats, I guess, have been using for many years. Um, and we are not very far ahead in the process. Um, according to what Democrats said yesterday, they, they won't talk about what data they're using in that room to potentially start drawing maps right because we don't have the census data that they normally have because the census bureau hasn't been been able to crank out those numbers yet right uh, COVID has has impacted that's that's one of many things COVID has impacted is yeah. is the census numbers um so yeah we don't know what they're using they talked about the all of the redistricting hearings that they have been holding and the input that they got from that but uh, with all likelihood, they're using data from the American Community Survey, uh, which is less detailed um, than the census data. And so they have until June 30th to to produce a, a map. Um, and if they don't, then there is a legislative redistricting committee that will be formed and... Um, um, and that's when Republic Democrats lose their partisan advantage, right? Right. Then they have they have a higher threshold to meet in terms of the votes that they have to get, making it harder. So there's this interesting thing, uh, two interesting things in the Constitution. One, they have until June 30th to pass maps before it goes to this commission. But also, they have to wrap up their work by May 31st. And anything that comes up after May 31st has to pass by a three-fifths majority. Otherwise, it can't take effect until, like, July of next year. Um, so 
even assuming if they get maps and it takes, you know, into June, uh, Democrats have three-fifths majorities, but not by that much, really. Uh, what did we figure up that uh, in the Senate they can only afford to lose five votes and in the House they can only afford to lose two votes? We're assuming that Republicans are not going to go along with this. Uh, Jerry, what do you think? Can, they, can the Democrats hold their caucus together, especially on an issue like redistricting that gets very parochial, uh, regardless of your party affiliation? Yeah, I think uh, the Democrats have uh, quite a good incentive um, to keep their party together. And, and the lawmakers know that, you know, they might not like their new district lines as much as, as they, you know, if it's not a perfect situation for them, it's it's still going to be better if Democrats, Democrats are drawing the maps. For Democrats, that is, um, it's still going to be better for them than if somebody else was doing it, be that a commission or whoever else okay well we're going to leave it there for this week uh coming up next week uh entering the final three weeks of the session things are going to start getting busy around here and we'll keep you up to date on everything that's happening but for now we're going to wrap up this edition of capital cast capital cast is a production of capital news illinois a statehouse reporting project of the illinois press foundation until next time this is peter hancock saying thank you for listening